Section three of the City of the Sun by Tommaso Campanella. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Grand Master, tell me the manner in which the magistrates are chosen. Captain, you would not rightly understand this unless you first learn their manner of living. That you may know, then, men and women wear the same kind of garment, suited for war. The women wear the toga below the knee, but the men above and both sexes are instructed in all the arts together. When this has been done as a start, and before their third year, the boys learn the language and the alphabet on the walls by walking round them. They have four leaders and four elders, the first to direct them, the second to teach them, and these are men approved beyond all others. After some time, they exercise themselves with gymnastics, running, quoits, and other games, by means of which all their muscles are strengthened alike. Their feet are always bare, and so are their heads, as far as the seventh ring. Afterward, they lead them to the offices of the trades, such as shoemaking, cooking, metalworking, carpentry, painting, and so on, in order to find out the bent of the genius of each one after their seventh year when they have already gone through the mathematics on the walls. They take them to the readings of all the sciences. There are four lectures at each reading, and in the course of four hours, the four in their order explain everything. For some take physical exercise, or busy themselves with public services or functions. Others apply themselves to reading. Leaving these studies, all are devoted to the more abstruse subjects, to mathematics, to medicine, and to other sciences. There are continual debate and studied argument among them, and after a time they become magistrates of those sciences or mechanical arts, in which they are the most proficient, for every one follows the opinion of his leader and judge, and goes out to the plains to the works of the field, and for the purpose of becoming acquainted with the pasturage of the dumb animals. And they consider him the more noble and renowned, who has dedicated himself to the study of the most arts and knows how to practice them wisely. Wherefore they laugh at us, in that we consider our workmen ignoble, and hold those to be noble who have mastered no pursuit, but live in ease, and are so many slaves, given over to their own pleasure and lasciviousness, and thus, as it were, from a school of vices so many idle and wicked fellows go forth to the ruin of the state. The rest of the officials, however, are chosen by the four chiefs, Hoch, Pon, Sin, and more, and by the teachers of that art over which they are fit to preside. And these teachers know well who is most suited for rule. Certain men are proposed by the magistrates in council, they themselves not seeking to become candidates, and he opposes who knows anything against those brought forward for election, or, if not, speaks in favour of them. But no one attains to the dignity of Hoch, except him who knows the histories of the nations, and their customs and sacrifices and laws, and their form of government, whether a republic or a monarchy. He must also know the names of the lawgivers and the inventors in science, and the laws and the history of the earth, and the heavenly bodies. They think it also necessary that he should understand all the mechanical arts, the physical sciences, astrology, and mathematics. Nearly every two days they teach our mechanical art. They are not allowed to overwork themselves, 
but frequent practice and the paintings render learning easy to them. Not too much care is given to the cultivation of languages, as they have a goodly number of interpreters who are grammarians in the state. But beyond everything else it is necessary that Hoch should understand metaphysics and theology, that he should know thoroughly the derivations, foundations, and demonstrations of all the arts and sciences, the likeness and difference of things, necessity, fate, and the harmonies of the universe, power, wisdom, and the love of things and of God, the stages of life and its symbols, everything relating to the heavens, the earth and the sea, and the ideas of God, as much as mortal man can know of him. He must also be well read in the prophets and in astrology, and thus they know long beforehand who will be Hoch. He is not chosen to so great a dignity, unless he has attained his thirty-fifth year, and this office is perpetual, because it is not known who may be too wise for it, or who too skilled in ruling. Grand Master Who indeed can be so wise? If even anyone has a knowledge of the sciences, it seems that he must be unskilled in ruling. Captain This very question I asked them, and they replied thus. We indeed are more certain that such a very learned man has the knowledge of governing, than you who place ignorant persons in authority, and consider them suitable merely because they have sprung from rulers, or have been chosen by a powerful faction. But our Hoch, a man really the most capable to rule, is for all that never cruel, nor wicked, nor a tyrant, inasmuch as he possesses so much wisdom. This, moreover, is not unknown to you, that the same argument cannot apply among you, when you consider that man the most learned who knows most of grammar, or logic, or of Aristotle, or any other author, for such knowledge as these of yours, much servile labour and memory work are required, so that a man is rendered unskilful, since he has contemplated nothing but the words of books, and has given his mind with useless result to the consideration of the dead signs of things. Hence, he knows not in what way God rules the universe, nor the ways and customs of nature and the nations, Wherefore he is not equal to our Hoch, for that one cannot know so many arts and sciences thoroughly, who is not esteemed for skilled ingenuity, very apt at all things, and therefore at ruling especially. This also is plain to us, that he who knows only one science, does not really know either that or the others, and he who is suited for only one science, and has gathered his knowledge from books, is unlearned and unskilled. But this is not the case with intellects prompt and expert in every branch of knowledge and suitable for the consideration of natural objects, as it is necessary that our Hoch should be. Besides, in our state, the sciences are taught with a facility, as you have seen, by which more scholars are turned out by us in one year than by you in ten, or even fifteen. Make trial, I pray you, of these boys. In this matter I was struck with astonishment at their truthful discourse, and at the trial of their boys, who did not understand my language well, indeed, it is necessary that three of them should be skilled in our tongue, three in Arabic, three in Polish, and three in each of the other languages, and no recreation is allowed them unless they become more learned. For that, they go out to the plain for the sake of running about and hurling arrows and lances, and of firing harquebuses and for the sake of hunting the wild animals and getting a knowledge of plants and stones, and agriculture and pasturage. Sometimes the band of boys does one thing, sometimes another. They do not consider it necessary that the three rulers, assisting Hoch, 
should know other than the arts having reference to their rule, and so they have only a historical knowledge of the arts, which are common to all, but their own they know well, to which certainly one is dedicated more than another. Thus power is the most learned in the equestrian art, in marshalling the army, in the marking out of camps, in the manufacture of every kind of weapon, and of warlike machines, in planning stratagems, and in every affair of a military nature, and for these reasons they consider it necessary that these chiefs should have been philosophers, historians, politicians, and physicists. Concerning the other two triumvirs, understand remarks similar to those I have made about power. Grand Master, I really wish that you would recount all their public duties, and would distinguish between them, and also that you would tell clearly how they are all taught in common. Captain, they have dwellings in common, and dormitories, and couches, and other necessaries. But, at the end of every six months, they are separated by the masters. Some shall sleep in this ring, some in another, some in the first apartment, and some in the second. And these apartments are marked by means of the alphabet on the lintel. There are occupations, mechanical and theoretical, common to both men and women, with this difference, that the occupations which require more hard work in walking a long distance are practiced by men, such as ploughing, sowing, gathering the fruits, walking in the threshing-floor, and perchance at the vintage. But it is customary to choose women for milking the cows, and for making cheese. In like manner, they go to the gardens near to the outskirts of the city, both for collecting the plants and for cultivating them. In fact, all sedentary and stationary pursuits are practiced by the women, such as weaving, spinning, sewing, cutting the hair, shaving, dispensing medicines, and making all kinds of garments. They are, however, excluded from walking in wood, and the manufacture of arms. If a woman is fit to paint, she is not prevented from doing so. Nevertheless, music is given over to the women alone, because they please the more, and of a truth to boys also. But the women have not the practice of the drum and the horn, and they prepare their feasts and arrange the tables in the following manner. It is the peculiar work of the boys and girls under twenty to wait at the tables. In every ring there are suitable kitchens, barns, and stores of utensils for eating and drinking, and over every department an old man and an old woman preside. These two have at once the command of those who serve, and the power of chastising or causing to be chastised, those who are negligent or disobedient, and they also examine and mark each one, both male and female, who excels in his or her duties. All the young people wait upon the older ones who have passed the age of forty, and in the evening, when they go to sleep, the master and mistress command that those should be sent to work in the morning, upon whom in succession the duty falls, one or two, to separate apartments. The young people, however, wait upon one another, and that, alas, with some unwillingness, they have first and second tables, and on both sides there are seats. On one side sit the women, on the other the men, and as in the refectories of the monks there is no noise. While they are eating, a young man reads a book from a platform, intoning distinctly and sonorously, and often the magistrates question them upon the more important parts of the reading. And truly it is pleasant to observe in what manner these young people, so beautiful and clothed in garments so suitable, attend to them, and to see at the same time so many friends, brothers, 
sons, fathers and mothers, all in their turn living together with so much honesty, propriety and love. So each one is given a napkin, a plate, fish and a dish of food. It is the duty of the medical officers to tell the cooks what repasts shall be prepared on each day, and what food for the old, what for the young, and what for the sick. The magistrates receive the full-grown and fatter portion, and they from their share always distribute something to the boys at the table, who have shown themselves most studious in the morning at the lectures and debates concerning wisdom and arms, and this is held to be one of the most distinguished honours. For six days they ordain to sing with music at table. Only a few, however, sing, or there is one voice accompanying the lute, and one for each other instrument, and when all alike in service join their hands, nothing is found to be wanting. The old men, placed at the head of the cooking business, and of the refectories of the servants, praise the cleanliness of the streets, the houses, the vessels, the garments, the workshops, and the warehouses. They wear white undergarments to which adheres a covering, which is at once coat and leggings without wrinkles. The borders of the fastenings are furnished with globular buttons, extended round and caught up here and there by chains. The coverings of the legs descend to the shoes and are continued even to the heels. Then they cover the feet with large socks, or, as it were, have buskins fastened by buckles, over which they wear a half-boot and besides, as I have already said, they are clothed with a toga, and so aptly fitting are the garments, that when the toga is destroyed, the different parts of the whole body are straightway discerned, no part being concealed. They change their clothes for different ones four times in the year, that is, when the sun enters respectively the constellations Arius, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn, and according to the circumstances and necessity as decided by the officer of health. The keepers of clothes for the different rings are wont to distribute them, and it is marvellous that they have at the same time as many garments as there is need for, some heavy and some slight, according to the weather. They all use white clothing, and this is washed in each month with lye or soap, as are also the workshops of the lower trades, the kitchens, the pantries, the barns, the storehouses, the armories, the refectories, and the baths. Moreover, the clothes are washed at the pillars of the peristyles, and the water is brought down by means of canals, which are continued as sewers. In every street of the different rings there are suitable fountains, which send forth their water by means of canals, the water being drawn up from nearly the bottom of the mountain by the sole movement of a cleverly contrived handle. There is water in fountains and in cisterns, whither the rain-water, collected from the roofs of the houses, is brought through pipes full of sand. They wash their bodies often, according as the doctor and master command. All the mechanical arts are practised under the peristyles, but the speculative are carried on above in the walking-galleries and ramparts, where are the more splendid paintings. But the more sacred ones are taught in the temple, in the halls and wings of the rings, there are solar timepieces and bells, and hands by which the hours and seasons are marked off. End of section 3